If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Welcome to the Deconstructionist Podcast. I'm your host, John Williamson. And this is week two of our impromptu sermon series. Uh, For those of you that tuned in last week, years ago, about three years ago, Adam and I had had grand intentions on creating kind of the separate uh, complimentary podcast called, tentatively called the Sunday Sermon Series. And we were starting to write and record original sermons as well as recording historical sermons by by other famous preachers throughout the decades throughout the you know throughout time and we got a few of them recorded and uh, just never put them out never got a chance to actually do anything with them and I found them a few weeks ago and in light of um, the world getting turned upside down right now and and sheltering in place orders uh, in most states in the United States at least right now and in a lot of other countries as well trying to slow the spread of COVID, um, churches, of course, are closed. And so I thought, what better time than now to release some of these? Um, so for those of you who are who are uh, being diligent and uh, hanging in there at home and, and missing you know, the, the opportunity to go somewhere uh, and listen to a sermon, hopefully this kind of um, helps a little bit in some way. Um, I know for me personally that the community aspect is the part that I miss the most, being a hyper extrovert as I am uh, and, and living alone essentially uh, it's been it's been uh, it's been a challenge. Um, I might be going slightly crazy. I am growing a quarantine mustache um, which the the general public may or may not ever see, but we'll, we'll see about that. definitely documenting it along the way so um, anyway. <laughs> Uh, so hopefully you guys are hanging in there. I, I know a lot of you out there are, are struggling. You know, I, I'm working my full-time job from home these days, so I've been very fortunate and lucky in that way. And, uh, you know, we've been, we've been trying to accommodate folks um, as anxiety and fear and worry is at an all-time high and, uh, and all the while support our friends and family and community members who aren't so fortunate and aren't able to work from home and are, are currently uh, wondering, you know, what they're going to do and how much longer is this going to go. And so uh, we live in the state of Ohio. They've extended it through May. And so this, uh, when it's all said and done, if we do lift it in May, we'll be two months uh, where we have basically for all intents and purposes been stuck at home. And, and so hoping it helps. I mean, I think we're all willing to do what it takes at this point uh, to slow and eventually eradicate um, this this virus um, that's that's just raging through uh, the world right now, and it's uh, it's scary. It's um, it's it's pretty terrifying when you read these reports and and watch these videos um, online of of just what it's doing to the larger cities where the community or the uh, society you know they don't have the luxury of being spread apart. They're 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 very close together, and so it spreads even more rapidly. And it's um, it's hard to watch. It is it is hard to watch, but. 
um, do what you can to support uh, those healthcare workers. Um, there's definitely tons of ways to donate uh, financially if you can, uh, and just to do things to help support them. And, and even after this thing is over, um, the the healthcare workers who have put their lives on the line and have seen just the worst of it are going to need our support um, far longer after this thing is is said and done. So, so hang in there, everybody. Uh, do what you can to shelter in place. The the, the more we buckle down now, the better. Um, it's going to be in the, and hopefully the shorter a period of time, uh, that we have to stay at home. So, so anyway, uh, the sermon this week, I'm really excited about because, uh, I've bragged about Adam's sermon skills for, for years. And most of you have never heard him preach. Uh, I've been lucky enough to see him preach and, and I, um, I, it was very fortunate to be able to see Adam, uh, preach m- many times. And in fact, got to see, uh, what would become his final sermon, and uh, one of his finest, I think, uh, that he ever wrote. And um, I, I, miss, I miss seeing my boy preach. So uh, it's going to be nice for me also to, to listen back to this again. So he was able to find some files of some older sermons. And so we'll, we'll sprinkle some of those in there as well. Um, super, super excited for you guys to hear this. And this particular sermon um, is pretty appropriate, I think. It's called The Struggle is Real, uh, where Adam talks about just the fact that that life is is difficult, um, and I think that's pretty appropriate now um, as a topic. And so, uh, love this sermon. Can't wait for you guys to hear it. So, uh, having said that, uh, this sermon actually was recorded at Life Church, uh, which is where we met in Bexley, Ohio, uh, here in town. So, um, big shout out to Mel and Mel Forsyth, who you guys heard on the pad- podcast this last summer or this last fall rather. Um, and so he recorded that there and it was, uh, I remember sitting in the front row getting to see this sermon, one of my favorites. So hope you guys enjoy it. Uh, having said that, uh, as always, uh, www.thedeconstructionist.com is where you can go to basically link up to everything. So social, our social media, uh, you can find our blog there, uh, web store, uh, I don't know, everything, go check it out. It's a beautiful website. Thank you, Ryan Battles, for that. Uh, otherwise, if you need some more Easter-related things to listen to, we have a beautiful episode that we did a couple years ago with our good friend, uh, the dear Dr. Alexander Shia. Uh, that's great. I uh, can't recommend it highly enough. Just a, a beautiful episode and something I probably need to go back and listen to because there's definitely a lot of hope that can be found in his message in that, that interview. Uh, we also did a really cool one on the topic of resur- resurrection, um, gosh, two or three years ago, maybe three years. Wow. Gosh, I don't know. Um, time is relative now, guys. I don't even know what day it is at this point. So, um, John Dominic Crossan though, we did a really cool interview with him. So there's a couple out there. There's, there's more than that, I'm sure. Um, so go check those out if, if you'd like to. Otherwise, uh, happy Easter. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, we're trying to keep things as normal as possible here. So it took me a while, but I was able to find a delivery service that would deliver groceries here that wasn't already just bogged down that had white eggs so that we could color Easter eggs this year and, um, and keep some of the Easter traditions alive. And so we did that today, myself and my, my six-year-old daughter. So that was a lot of fun. And so we'll, we'll do a modified version tomorrow of an Easter egg hunt and, and trying to keep a little normalcy here 
at least till things get back to normal. So, so happy Easter. Hang in there, everybody. We'll, we'll get through this together because that's, that's what we do. And uh, we will get through this. So without further ado, I hope you guys really enjoy this. Um, I can't wait to listen back to it again. But this is Adam Sermon. The struggle is real. And we will see you guys very soon. How's everybody? All right, we're going we're gonna to talk about this, the struggle today. But before we do that, let's take a quick break and just open our hands, open our hearts, take some breaths. Um, highly recommend incorporating breathing into your prayer life. Makes you just center, stop for a minute, and not just rattle a bunch of stuff off. So let's take a couple breaths, open up. And uh, actually try to listen to what uh, God might have for us today. Heavenly Father, it is not easy. It's not, it's not easy. It's hard. This is hard. All of this is hard. It's hard just being here sometimes. And you have so much to teach us. And we are running so fast that we oftentimes just can't hear you. Would you just make this a break? Would you just give us some space here, God, that you crack open with your love and with your grace and with your wisdom? And we just invite us into that place as we are, whoever we are, wherever we are. Can we just come into this place and just hear something that you have for us. We know that you're here. So uh, thank you for inviting us to be with you. It's in Christ's name we pray. Everybody said? Amen. Amen. So um, when you learn to do public speaking, when you learn what's called a rhetorical style, first trick to get the audience on the same page as you is to say something that everybody agrees with. So I'm going to do that. The struggle is real. The struggle is real. Everybody agrees with that, right? So we're all on the same page. Does anybody not agree with that? I'm going to give you a moment to leave. Okay. Everybody agrees that the struggle, guys, the struggle is real. In fact, this is going to sound a little nerdy, but I, I think sometimes about how just existing is hard. Just being here. Forget the problem you're dealing with. Some, sometimes just if you think too long about the fact that you're here, just being here is like hard. Like it's traumatic. To be alive is to struggle. To be human is to struggle. To be aware, to have any sense of consciousness at all, is to struggle. In our house, we call it being on the struggle bus. My sweet little three-year-old, Lucy Kate Narlock, she's three years old, girl wakes up on the struggle bus. Did she not this morning? Why was she even crying this morning? Did we ever figure that out? She just wakes up crying. She doesn't even know why. 
It's she's on the struggle bus from the moment you're born and you have any sense of self versus reality at all. There is a struggle. My three-year-old daughter knows it. We all know it. We're on the struggle bus and newsflash. It doesn't really matter how well you do in life. The struggle is going to find you. Just look at Kim Kardashian, man. Homegirl is worth billions, and she is on the struggle bus daily, and it's on television. Okay? I always like to think about Tom Brady. The guy's got more like Super Bowl rings almost than he has fingers, married to a supermodel, has tons of money, and he's always like on the struggle bus. It is hard. So stop kidding yourself. We all need to stop kidding ourselves like there is some way out of this struggle. And newsflash, it's not in here either. It's not in here either. First thing that should totally creep you out if somebody tries to sell you the Bible or Jesus as a solution to make all your problems go away, if you actually read this, it's full of people with struggle, including Jesus and Paul and everybody else after that, all the way up to us. Anybody want to leave yet? This is starting to get depressing. The struggle is real. The struggle is totally real. Now, C.S. Lewis. (laughs) C.S. Lewis, who I'm not going to quote right now. But I'm going to totally rip off as if I thought of this. In his book, The Abolition of Man, which is by far one of his most difficult books to read, and I don't even recommend it, to be honest. It's kind of a waste of time, unless you're a Lewis nerd. But in that book, there was a pearl that I took out of that book that's amazing, and he talks about approaching life two different ways. This is the ancient way of looking at approaching life, approaching the struggle. There's really two ways of looking at it. Number one, he kind of calls, and this is my paraphrase, so if you're a Lewis nerd here, don't call me to task. We can argue later if you want. There's one path that he calls the path of magic, the magical path, the path of sorcery, the path of witchcraft, even kind of the path of science in some ways. And the path of magic is the path of solutions. It's the path that you walk down and magic and sorcery and witchcraft tell you that if you meet an obstacle or if you meet the struggle in life, there are ways to make it go away. There are ways to take reality, which is always in conflict with us, and make it do what you want it to do. There are ways to take the path that is difficult and make it bend to your will. Okay, so this is the path of magic. And he contrasts this with the path of wisdom or the path of faith. And the path of wisdom, the path of faith, as the ancients would say, the sages versus the magicians, the sages would say, no, we are not supposed to change the path. We are supposed to be changed and learn to walk the path well. So there's a big difference between these two ways of looking at it. And I think... That for the most part, most people, because wisdom is costly and it's difficult and it's painful, we all choose the path of magic. We all want solutions. Make this stop. 
I know there's a YouTube video out there somewhere that can make this problem go away. There's got to be a book. Maybe there's some, you know, uh, minerals or oil or some kind of remedy or something to make this go away. There's a pharmaceutical. There's something. There's some solution. There's some technology. There's got to be an app for that. Okay? We also do this with religion. Most people use religion as magic and not as faith. Most people use religion as make this go away. Give me solutions to my problem. Get me out of the struggle, man. I hate the struggle bus. Get me off the struggle bus. That's what we use religion for. So this is what Lewis lays out in his book, The Abolition of Man. Now, it's rarely wisdom if you find a solution, guys. A solution to the struggle is rarely wisdom. And it usually is not going to work. Faith, on the other hand, and true wisdom are, as Father Richard Rohr would say, drum roll please, here's a great quote for you. Faith is not for overcoming obstacles. It is for experiencing them all the way through. The path of Christ, the path of wisdom, the path of faith is not the path of magic. And the narrative of Jacob, which by the way, if you have your Bibles there, turn to Genesis chapter 32. Genesis 32, it's in the very beginning of the Bible. should be within the first 50 pages or so. The question here is, in this passage that we are going to be invited into, by the way, we're not going to read, we are being invited into this passage to struggle along with it, okay? That's what encountering scripture is. It's not about learning the answers or learning the the correct truth. It's about engaging in the mystery, okay? It's about being changed by getting into it. And that's what we're going to do here. And this is, the the, the story of Jacob is so useful for this, this idea of struggle in life. So the question I want to start out with is what are you trying to do right now with where you're at in your life? Because we're all struggling. Everybody in here is struggling. Something. Which path are you taking? The path that leads you towards solutions that promise to take the struggle away? Or the the path that leads you towards experiencing them all the way through? That's what we're going to talk about today. And this narrative of Jacob is perfect for this. Because the struggle, in my opinion, is made out of just a few questions that we all have in common. We all have a few questions in common. These questions are basic. They're some of the most essential things that all of us wrestle with. From the moment you realize things, you may not even realize it, but you're asking these questions. You're asking, am I okay? Am I okay? Would somebody please tell me if I'm okay? Am I accepted? How can I be accepted? Am I enough? Do I matter? Am I supposed to be here? Do I belong? These are what the struggle is made out of. And there's all these solutions answering, offering answers to these questions, and they don't, they don't work. They don't work. The struggle is still calling to us. The struggle is still there. Now, Jacob is a perfect person to go to to look at how to engage with this mystery and answer these questions. Because Jacob did not struggle well. Jacob did not struggle well his whole life. And then he actually comes to this passage. We're going to talk about him actually wrestling, actually struggling. 
And it's a great metaphor for us to, to get into, to realize what this is all made of. Jacob was not a very good struggler. This is how Jacob tries to answer these questions. And by the way, a little backstory. So Jacob was a twin brother of another guy named Esau, and they are the grandsons of Abraham. So their dad is a guy named Isaac who had that situation where his dad tried to kill him on the mountain that Simon preached about a while back. You guys remember that? It's pretty awkward. Went okay. He made it out and actually had some kids. And Jacob and Esau ended up being those kids, and they had struggle right there. And Jacob is a struggler. So when Jacob is born, he envies his brother Esau and he wants to be the firstborn and he wants the blessing of the firstborn and he wants the money and the inheritance that comes along with being the firstborn. He wants the position, he wants the title, and his whole life is defined by trying to be somebody else. Does that sound familiar at all to anybody? No, we don't do that. We don't look at Instagram and try to be other people. We don't watch TV and try to be other people. We don't look at magazines and try to be other people. We don't envy we don't have any of this going on. We don't covet. We don't want to be somebody else. No, we should, I should probably wrap up here. This isn't relevant at all. I'm like, this is my life. This is exactly my life. So how does Jacob try to answer these questions? These questions of do I matter? Do I accept? Am I okay? Am I enough? Do I belong? He tries to be somebody he isn't. Dresses up, literally dresses up like his older brother. How weird is that? To get a blessing. He tries to manipulate people around him. In fact, the name Jacob kind of means the manipulator, the deceiver. He tries to run away from conflict. He tries to throw himself into his career. He tries to find the perfect spouse. He tries to use his wealth to fix his problems. I mean, is this relevant at all? Are you guys with me? So, this is so spot on. This sounds so familiar. This is my life. Jacob isn't struggling well. And then he reaches the end of his rope. And that brings us to this passage. That brings us to this passage. He, he comes to the end of his rope. And this is what I want to say, guys. Engaging in the struggle, which is what we're going to talk about today. Engaging in the struggle. Not disengaging. That's the path of magic. But engaging in the struggle, which is the path of wisdom. Engaging in it is not easy. And I'm not about to give you a solution to make it easier. It's not going to be easy. This isn't easy. It's never going to be easy. Talk to anybody who's been through more life than you, and they will tell you it's not easy. This isn't easy. But what I do want to propose is a new perspective. I want to propose a new mantra, maybe, a hashtag, if you will, that the struggle is real. Yeah, we all know that. What about love the struggle? What if we could learn to do that? What if we could stop trying to repress, avoid, escape, disconnect, disengage, manage, solve, deceive, manipulate, dress ourselves up, find solutions, and we could actually engage in the struggle? What if we could love the struggle? That is the question that this passage is asking, in my opinion. So let's read together. Remember, Jacob's at the end of his rope starting in verse 22 of chapter 32 of Genesis. Jacob's at the end of his rope. Literally, he thinks his brother, who he has deceived, taken the inheritance from, and taken the blessing of the firstborn, has been after him and wanted to kill him for probably better than, I don't know, probably 12, 15 years now. And he knows he's about to meet, to meet his brother for the first time in a long time. And his brother has an army, and it's bigger than his army. 
And he knows things are about to go down in the morning and he is at the end of his rope. Is anybody here at the end of the rope this morning? Let's read together. Chapter 32, starting in verse 22. The same night he arose and took his two wives. We don't advocate for that around here. His two female servants, that's no good either. And his 11 children, you could, okay. (laughs) And he crossed the ford of the Jabbok. He took them and sent them across the stream and everything else that he had. And Jacob was left alone. Some of you here, you know what that means. You're alone. And a man wrestled with him until the breaking of the day. When the man saw that he did not prevail against Jacob, he touched his hip socket, and Jacob's hip was put out of joint as he wrestled with him. Then he said, let me go, for the day has broken. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. And he said to him, what is your name? And he said, Jacob. And then he said, your name shall no longer be Jacob, but Israel. For you have striven with God and with men and have prevailed. Then Jacob asked him, please tell me your name. But he said, why do you ask my name? And there he blessed him. So Jacob called the name of that place Peniel, saying, for I have seen God face to face, yet my life has been delivered. The sun rose upon him as he passed Peniel, limping because of his hip. Therefore, to this day, the people of Israel do not eat the sinew of the thigh that is on the hip socket, because he touched the socket of Jacob's hip on the sinew of the thigh. What a weird passage. What a weird passage. There's so many weird things that we're going to look at in this passage that I hope are going to invite us deeper into our lives, deeper into God's life, deeper into the struggle along the path of wisdom and faith. So rabbis and scholars say that this is probably the most mysterious passage in all of Scripture. And y'all are like, duh. Some weird stuff right there. Rabbis say this is one of the most mysterious, the most enigmatic, one of the biggest riddles in Scripture is all wrapped up in this passage. And people have been arguing about what this passage means for literally millennia. There's all kinds of different takes, all kinds of different perspectives, and the main problem, the main mystery that people have trouble agreeing on, that nobody's ever agreed on, and a lot of people have said we're never going to agree on this, is who is Jacob wrestling with? Who's he wrestling with? Who is Jacob wrestling with? He's alone. He's afraid. This whole struggle of life has finally caught up with him. And all of a sudden, this dude appears in the middle of the night, and they go to the mats, and they struggle, and they wrestle. And don't just read this like it's something that didn't happen. Do you know what it's like to just get locked in with somebody and struggle against them? That's what's happening here. That's what's happening here. Now, who is Jacob struggling against? Lots of rabbis and lots of scholars say that he's struggling with God. He's struggling with God. In the book of Hosea, Hosea says it's an angel. Some rabbis say it's Esau's guardian angel. But a lot of other people, equally as many, say Jacob's wrestling with himself here. 
And if you read this in the original Hebrew, it is intentionally ambiguous. It is intentionally ambiguous, as if the author does not want anybody to know what's actually going on here because he wants to invite us into the weirdness. Just like your life, by the way. Who is Jacob wrestling with? Is it God? Is it him? The answer is you can't distinguish between the two. It's both. Because to wrestle with God is to wrestle with yourself. Your true self, not your ego self, not your false self, not your self-customization project with Instagram filters and airbrushing and all kinds of great poses and all kinds of stuff like that. Not that self. The self you don't want to look at. The deeper self. The self that is trying to answer those questions. Am I enough? Am I accepted? Am I okay? Do I belong? Am I loved? That self This idea of struggling with God and struggling with yourself is one of the truest realities in the world. You cannot struggle with yourself truly without being invited into it by God. And you cannot struggle with God without getting to know yourself better. Augustine said it this way. I love this quote. This is so, this so sums it up. St. Augustine, could I have the slide, please? There we go. God is closer to me than I am to myself. Think about that. What is he talking about? We think we know ourselves. Come on. I don't know myself. I don't know myself. I am a complete mystery to myself. I am a total stranger. I am so lost in customization and accessorization and Instagram filters and magic and envy and covetousness. I have no idea who I am most of the time. But what if God is closer to me than even I am to myself? What if there's a separation between me and me? And what if to really know myself, I'm being called home, as it were, by the God who has always been with me? That's what Augustine is talking about. And by the way, if you like this stuff, the whole book of his confessions are pretty awesome. You should definitely check it out sometime. Great devotional reading. And in Latin, this phrase literally means God is more intimate. That's the word he uses. Intimeo. Or intimo, I think is what it is. Intimate. God is more intimate to me. God knows me better. God is closer to me than I am to myself. So who is Jacob wrestling with, God or himself? Yes. The answer is yes, because to wrestle with yourself, to struggle with those questions, to be alone and afraid in the dark and feel the weight of the struggle, you, my friends, are closer to God in that place than you ever have been. That is where God is most near. That is where God is most near. Interestingly enough, Jacob had another encounter with God earlier in his life where he fell asleep and had a dream and he dreamed of the ladder to heaven. Anybody ever heard of Jacob's ladder? Now the ladder implies distance, right? A separation between heaven and hell and angels walking on the ladder. But in this instance, Jacob learns something new about this God that all the Israelites were discovering. This God is closer to me than I am to myself. This is the God I struggle with. I wrestle with as I get to know me. Because we're strangers to ourselves. We've got this ego 
that's walked the path of magic, that's mounted up solutions that haven't worked, that's become this completely fake person that we're trying to convince ourselves and everybody else, this is who I am. And newsflash, guys, that person doesn't exist. That person is not real. That's a fake person. And that person, thank you, needs to die. That person needs to die. That person isn't real. And this is, we keep walking the path of magic. More solutions, more YouTube videos, more apps, more remedies. How am I going to make this work? How am I going to be the one person who isn't a fake and actually gets through life cool as a cucumber? It's not going to happen. That's not real. That's your ego. And that person needs to die. See, here's the beauty. The more you wrestle with God, the more you're actually wrestling with your true self and getting closer to who you really are because God is closer to you than you are to yourself. The struggle. We don't want the struggle. We think we're supposed to manage the struggle. We're not. The struggle brings us home. The struggle makes things die that need to die. Am I sounding a little like Jesus here? Because he's the one that said, you have to die daily. You have to pick up your cross and follow me. That's what we're talking about here. This is why the Apostle Paul is always bragging about how much his life sucks. He's like, I boast in my weakness. Because he gets this. That it's all about the struggle. Paul talks about the struggle all the time. Read Philippians. Read Corinthians. Read any of Paul's letters. They're rife with struggle. Jesus' life is rife with struggle. We're not supposed to avoid the struggle. We're supposed to depend on his love to meet it. And to engage with it. To learn from it. And to let the self die that needs to die because guys needs to die good grief it needs to die that's the beauty of this tells us to take up our crosses daily so that's the question of who is jacob struggling with let's move on a little bit here where is jacob struggling where is he wrestling if you read a little more around this passage and into this passage again jacob is at the end of his rope His solutions haven't worked. His finagling hasn't worked. His running and avoiding and escaping and hiding and disengaging hasn't worked. And he is up against the rock in a hard place. And he is afraid. And he is alone in the dark. That describes where some of you are at perfectly right now. And I've been there. And let me tell you something. It is not fun. It's not fun. But it's real. And that is where he meets God. That is where Jacob meets God. In the dark, afraid and alone. That's where we meet God. Unfortunately, I worry that most of us don't know how to engage in the struggle because we've got little glowing devices around us all the time offering ways out, solutions, all the time. We're never alone anymore. There's no such thing as solitude in our culture. So we can never be alone and let the weight of the struggle do what it's supposed to do with us. 
We're never alone. It's never quiet. Did you ever realize that? There's no silence anymore. There's no solitude anymore. And there's really no darkness anymore. If you imagine what it would have been like to be Jacob and be this afraid and this alone with no iPhone. They didn't even have, like, electricity. He was... You're right, they didn't have Facebook. She gets it. We're scared to be alone, aren't we? Because we're alone with the self that we've been trying to avoid our whole life. Where God is closer to us than we are to ourselves. We're afraid of God. We're afraid of our true self. And we don't know how to be alone anymore. We don't know how to be alone in the dark. But Jacob, this passage, God, the Spirit, invites us here. Alone in the dark. The other thing that happens here is it says in verse 31, as the sun rose upon him and he passed, he was limping because of his hip. Now this is important. Just like Jacob, if the struggle finally gets to you, and this isn't a one-time thing. This is like an over and over thing, by the way. But if the struggle finally gets to you, it's going to leave a mark. Okay? Reality is... Reality is stronger than you are. And when you butt up against it, when you wrestle with God and when you wrestle with your true self, you're going to get wounded. You're going to get wounded. But the wound is a beautiful wound. It's a glory. Talk with anybody who's ever been through something. And when they talk about it, that pain eventually becomes a gift, becomes a glory. It becomes redemption. We call this resurrection. It's beautiful, but you have to know you're going to be wounded. And the wounding is how we finally receive the thing that we have been struggling for the whole time. By getting wounded, by being alone in the dark and wounded, we finally can receive the thing we've been struggling for the whole time. Because all of us around this struggle, and Jacob too, all of us are after answering all those questions, right? Am I accepted? Am I enough? Am I loved? Do I belong? The answer to these questions can only come if we're wounded. As the great theologian Leonard Cohen once said, ring the bells that still can ring. Forget your perfect offering. There's a crack in everything. That's how the light gets in. Preach it, Leonard Cohen. This is from his song, Anthem. It's a great song. I definitely recommend giving it a listen. But he's right, isn't it? Your false self, your, your magic project... Your self-customization project, the projection of that person that does not exist and continues to change based on our own insecurities, needs to get wounded so that the light can get in. The blessing that was always there to begin with. It was always there, but without getting wounded, without being alone in the dark, without having the weight of the struggle catch up with you and cripple you, 
you're never going to hear the blessing that's been there the whole time, but you couldn't receive it because you're too busy trying to achieve it. Does that make sense? The blessing. This is why Jacob is wrestling. So we talked about who Jacob is wrestling. We talked about where Jacob is wrestling. Why is he wrestling? Kind of been talking about this the whole time because it's all about this thing called the blessing. If you read the narrative of Abraham, if you read through Genesis, there's this word blessing that emerges right on the scene. As soon as God starts to speak and sing or whatever things into existence, there comes along with it this blessing that is fundamental to reality itself. If you are a Jew or a Christian, fundamental to reality itself is it all starts out with blessing that there are no accidents, that if you are here, you were spoken into existence along with the blessing that it is good. This all starts off, and then all through Genesis, in Abraham's life, it's all about the blessing. In Isaac's life, it's the blessing. In Jacob's life, it's the blessing. And Jacob is after the blessing. We're all struggling to get the blessing. That's what we're after. We're after this thing, this blessing Those questions, am I okay? Am I accepted? Am I enough? Am I supposed to be here? Do I belong? What is my value? What will bring you peace? And in Jacob's life, there were not just two, but three blessings. So everybody knows about the first blessing. He dresses up like his brother Esau and tries to steal a blessing. Doesn't work so well. And then everybody remembers the second blessing, if you were raised in church, that after wrestling and after being wounded, he hears a blessing. But the cool part about this passage is there's a third blessing that when he flees because he thinks his brother is going to kill him all those years ago, his father Isaac blesses him with the blessing that he was always supposed to have, but Jacob couldn't hear it. He's too busy. He's too busy. Too busy trying to do it on his own. Can't receive it. He needed to be exhausted. (laughs) He needed to fail. He needed to be wounded, and then he could hear the blessing. After he's wounded and he's still hanging on for dear life, and he says to the man, I won't let you go unless you bless me. And at that moment, the shift happens. The man that entered into the fight's name was Jacob. A very tired, very exhausted failure of a fake person named Jacob. And Jacob literally means to deceive or manage or manipulate, which is what we all are initially until the struggle catches us. And you emerge from the struggle like Jacob, a new man or woman with a new name. And this name should be an indicator that we should all be loving the struggle because the name of God's chosen people, Israel, means to struggle with God and humanity and overcome. You start off as the manipulator in life, and after the wounding, you become the struggler because the struggle is not something to solve. The struggle is something to engage with. It's the calling of existence. It's the calling of our whole life to learn who we are, getting closer to ourselves by getting closer to God. We have to fail at learning to answer these questions along the path of magic, along the path of solutions, to find our true self emerging. We cannot achieve the blessing. We can only receive it. It has always been there. It's always been there. It's called grace. 
Grace. We, you know, there are churches named Grace. We name our kids Grace. Grace is this like overused word in culture, and we forget how powerfully provocative this word is. The concept of grace is definitely the most beautiful and ridiculous concept in all of humanity. And here's what it means. There's no such thing as deserving. You couldn't deserve to be here. Nothing deserves to exist. You can't deserve to be a person. It starts with blessing. It starts with intentionality that before anything happens, there are answers to these questions. Before anything happens, am I okay? Yes, you are okay first. First. You're okay first. You're accepted first. You're enough first. You are supposed to be here first. You belong first. That's what grace is. First. Before anything else happens, first, first, you are accepted. Did you know that? I don't know that. I don't know that I'm accepted. I know God loves me. I'm using air quotes. I know God loves me. I have no idea how to give that love to myself. I don't know how to give myself a break. I'm too busy because I feel like a failure because I'm not able to pull off this fake person that I'm trying to build. But if I can just turn it in and quit making it a concept, take a deep breath, tell yourself, it's okay first. Oh, the struggle's waiting for you. Let's be clear about that. The only way that we're going to be able to love the struggle is if we know the grace comes first. The grace comes first. The grace comes first. So beautiful. And I think the best way to illustrate that is the the last mystery I want to talk about in this passage about grace. Grace comes first. And these people, these Israelites, this, this first book of the Bible is written down as the Israelites are trying to figure out who they are, remember who they are, and they're trying to learn about this new God who's different than all the other gods on the scene. And this new God is strange. New God doesn't even have like a name yet because the name was given to Moses much later, but they're starting to be called by this God. They're starting to understand how this God is different than all the other gods. And what makes this God so different? And what's tied up in this idea of struggling, this idea of grace, is this God gives himself to be struggled with. How is Jacob able to wrestle with God? How are we able to wrestle with God? This isn't just an idea. It's because God's whole point, his whole purpose was to give himself so that we would wrestle with him. He gives himself. This is completely unique in the history of ideas. That God would condescend, or another word I like to use, incarnate, to be with us. To be taken hold of. To be wrestled with. To be grappled with. To be touched. To be struggled with. This is who our God is. This is who the Israelites were starting to learn God is. This is the nature and character of God. Most of us in here, if we're going to be honest, have a distant, objectified God that lives somewhere out there that we don't even know what that means. The Bible knows nothing of that. 
He is here. He is closer to you than you are to yourself. And he offers himself in weakness. How can the Almighty offer himself to be wrestled with unless he comes to us in vulnerability, unless he comes to us in weakness? Oh yeah, I'm starting to sound like I'm describing that guy Jesus. This is, what it, this is who God is. This is who scripture tells us God is. He is the one that allows himself to be taken a hold of. He is the one who allows himself to be wrestled with because he is inviting us into ourselves where he's always been. How beautiful, mind-blowing is that? This is the idea of grace. Jacob isn't the only one who struggles. God struggles too with us. Jesus came and struggled from day one. Read the Gospels. He's always struggling. Being driven out into the wilderness to be tempted by Satan. Struggling. Wrestling with the hypocrites and the Pharisees and his knucklehead disciples. Struggling. Oh, being accused of a bunch of stuff he didn't do and being strung up on a cross by the Roman Empire. Struggling. In the Garden of Gethsemane. Sweating drops of blood. Struggling. The struggle is real. Love the struggle. That's the invitation. Just as Jesus did. Jesus gave himself fully to the struggle. Fully to the struggle. To show us the way away from the path of magic and, 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 and solutions and technology and false selves and to show us the path into the true self where God is and always has been. He, he tells us to take up our crosses, to die daily, to deny ourselves and follow him down the path of faith to experience the struggle all the way through because there's resurrection at the end. This is the Christian mystery. It's not something to just learn the answers to. It's something you're struggling with whether you know it or not. This is reality. It's made out of grace. And my friends, no matter what you're going through, I have bad news and good news. Good news or bad news is it's going to be hard. It's going to be so hard, especially if you wake up and take it seriously. That's going to make it harder. Okay? But the good news is the blessing comes first. No matter what happens, no matter what consequences you're wrestling with, no matter what sin you're wrestling with, no matter what crap you're wrestling with, it does not judge you. You are not judged by it because the blessing comes first. You are okay. It's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. It's going to hurt like hell, and it's going to be okay. You are accepted. Accept that you're accepted. This really controversial writer, I'm going to kind of close with this. The band wants to come back up. This really controversial writer, uh, Nikos Katsanzakis, fun name to say. You sound really smart when you can drop a name like that. Katsanzakis was a writer in the, uh, I think, like the 50s. And he tells a story of, in his autobiography of when he was a young man. He used to visit monasteries. And he was in Greece at Mount Athos where there are all these monasteries. And he was interviewing monks who lived there. 
And in one memorable interview, he engaged an old monk who had a great reputation in the area for being the holiest monk at the monastery. And he asked this monk, he said, do you still struggle with the devil? Oh, no, the old man replied. I used to struggle with him when I was young, but now I've grown old and tired and the devil has grown old and tired with me. We leave each other alone. So it's easy for you now, asked the young Katsunzakis. Oh, no, replied the old man. It's far worse, far worse than that. Now I wrestle with God. You wrestle with God and hope to win, Nico said. No, replied the old monk. I wrestle with God and I hope to lose. To sum it all up, avoiding the struggle and taking the path of magic amounts to getting your ego out of control, which will be very obvious on social media to everyone, and all kinds of other bad things. Disconnection with yourself, disconnection with those around you, disconnection with God. That's what avoiding the struggle gets you. Greater and greater and greater estrangement. But hearing the invitation of the struggle and loving the struggle, gauging the struggle amounts to your ego and your false self dying the death it needed to die a long time ago and being reconciled to yourself, your true self, being reconciled to God, being reconciled to others. The whole thrust of the New Testament, my friends, is this word called reconciliation or the renewal of all things. It's the point of all of this. It's already available. You're already in it. It's just inviting you to lay the fake stuff down and engage in the struggle. Learn to love the struggle and know that the only thing that's going to happen is the stuff that needs to die is going to die and only resurrection and new creation will be left over and you will find yourself a whole person with peace no matter what you're going through. You'll be able to be present. You'll be able to have space and compassion and forgiveness for those around you and not judge them and criticize them and critique them and you will be able to be reconciled to God. This is what the invitation of the struggle is. Will you please just engage the struggle knowing that the blessing is there? It's yours. It was bought and paid for. It's the basis, the foundation of all of reality. I pray a very simple prayer on a regular basis. Very simple prayer. I say, God, please reconcile me to myself. I'm a stranger to myself. Reconcile me there to you. And reconcile me to those that I meet today. The outcome of this story in Genesis, if you want to keep reading, is that Jacob and Esau, the ultimate enemies, are reconciled. And it wouldn't have happened if Jacob hadn't engaged in the struggle. Engaging the struggle reconciles us to ourselves. It reconciles us to God. It reconciles us to others. Because it's all about reconciliation. Will you stand with me? I'm going to leave you guys with one last quote. And I want to burn this quote into your heads, okay? Burn this into your heads. Be kind, for everyone you meet is fighting a great battle. You don't know what somebody's going through. I love that meme that's floating around. Be nice to people. You don't know how many times their kid woke them up last night. The struggle is real. 
We're so quick to judge because our false self is so insecure. Be kind. It's a struggle. Can we love the struggle? If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com.